All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, and that is... James Davis. And we are face-to-face again, staring out at a snowy New Hampshire afternoon Don't tell them what town. Oh, I wouldn't, I'd never tell them what town. I'll tell you, I'll put it in the show notes <laughs> uh, <laughs> with the actual address. Thinking about Week 16 cash game plays coming off of i will say just a rougher week for us um from a cash game perspective just from a point of honesty we try to be honest on the podcast about you know sort of what's been going on uh in the world of dfsr and our projections last week was i would take i think we each kind of looked at each other at the end of the day and kind of said there was a few specific spots where we i think went wrong and a sort of off chalk or like just didn't get fully on board with the chalk not all the time i'm not always concerned with like where chalk's going to be and where it's not I was surprised by a couple things this week in terms of ownership. We're going to get to the Week 16 plays here in a second. I was really surprised by how low Chris Godwin's ownership was, um, mm-hmm. just in general with no Mike Evans. Like 14% off the end struck me as a number that I wasn't prepared to be that low. And I get why. Um, guys like Barkley were really high-owned, and uh, Carson and uh, McCaffrey had some ownership as well too. Um, and so at some point you just can't spend. But there was a couple of the AJ Brown was a guy we went back and forth on near the end, and then I so I don't know. It, oh, well, really, our killer was Michael Gallup. We there were a lot of those yeah. mid range wide receivers that did turn in nice weeks, like Parker, Moore, AJ Brown, and we liked all those guys. But Gallup was just one of the guys it's in that group that we landed over. on. So we yeah. played Godwin, who was okay, not terrible, not great, and then getting Gallup instead of either Brown or Moore or Parker, depending on which lineup you were looking at, that was ultimately the deal breaker. Getting one point out of him was pretty tough. And I had, and the, you know, kind of along that same lines, we had Dak at pretty low ownership, which I felt good about. People are way lower on Dak than they should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, just in a game that was they needed, Dallas has been better than they've been sort of with their record. And that was looking all the world like a very good play, especially considering how much ownership Watson and Tannehill got. I was feeling very comfortable with this, and then they just ended up blowing out the Rams and then just took their foot off the gas completely, and that was what killed the Prescott piece of this. It was more like the Rams just didn't hold up their end of the bargain uh, when it came to that game, and I think I saw that. That was just sort of problematic. Anyway, so just want to do a quick postmortem on Week 15. Week 16 is lining up to be, I think, a pretty interesting one. We're at a couple different narrative pieces here with teams, uh, whether it comes to playoffs, actually whether it comes to draft picks, there's some weird ones. There's some weird uh, kind of game stuff going on. There is, There has been sort of a concentration and a correction around pricing on a lot of the guys with the most opportunity. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And as always, you know, this, is the ca- this is the early cash game look. Uh, and then we do a game-by-game podcast later in the week. And then on Sunday is really where the bread is buttered. That's when we'll be in our members-only chat dissecting and kind of slicing and dicing how the week is going to line up also uh final note we'll get to these things that there is if you're not aware there's there are three saturday games this week no thursday game this week three saturday games and then uh we have a main slate so actually from this late in the season the main slate is a little bit smaller because of those saturday games. yeah there's some relevant teams too that's houston tampa bay buffalo new england and the Rams at San Francisco. So yeah. you're missing like a lot of tight ends there. You're missing some significant plays. That, that's just a good-looking slate, by the way, with some value. I think there's going to be some Tampa Bay yeah. stuff going on there. So anyway, we'll get into the main slate here. We'll go position by position, go through a couple different price tiers uh, on each position and where you can go. I, I feel like it's almost a cop-out at this point to write up Lamar Jackson for cash because he's just expensive and it just seems so obvious. And at the same time, it just becomes another week after week kind of thing with him where you, there's just no, no there's just no safer commodity in football right now than playing Lamar Jackson in cash. It's just 
Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, so we talked about this the last time we had the opportunity to play him on the main slate, and I compared his price and opportunity and production to Christian McCaffrey's, and understanding that, you know, comparing across positions can some kind of, can sometimes be weird this way. Getting Jackson at 9,300, who's outscored McCaffrey by almost two fantasy points a game, and having to pay 1,500 extra to get up to McCaffrey... This if is on FanDuel score, yeah, by the if, way. It's a little different on DK. No, I know. Yeah. If you can only pay up at a certain position or if you're running low on money, it just makes sense to prioritize Jackson. You know, just being a quarterback and having the ball in your hands is going to make a huge difference, right? So, And this is still an important game for Baltimore here. They've not locked yeah. up home field advantage. They've won 10 in a row. Uh, their last loss actually was to Cleveland. So this is a, I don't know if you want to talk yeah. about revenge game here. But um, they did lose to Cleveland earlier in the season. Jackson was still good in that game, though not great. Um, but again, like in terms of motivations, in terms of needing to win, wanting to seal up the home field advantage, I think there's a lot to like here. I don't mind the Cleveland defense is nothing to write home about. Really nice implied total. And you just get to go again. We said this many times. You get it going both ways here with Jackson. If the game's in his favor, he's on the ground and they're kind of keeping it safe. And if it's not, and he's playing catch up, then even almost even better. I don't really suspect that's going to, the latter is going to be the case. His coefficient of variation is easily the lowest in the league, um, which means just uh, from a safety perspective, I think if you're going to pay up for for this position, uh, this is just kind of where you go with the understanding that it's just not always easy to pay peak pricing on a guy like Jackson. Yeah, I com- agree completely. So who else are you looking okay, at? Okay, so I wrote him? up I wrote up after him. I wrote up Russell Wilson and Dak, and I know that the next kind of like tier down in terms of pricing as well, I do think people will kind of go into the zone more. I feel... I think there's still a lot of just hate around Dak, so I'm just like that. I don't totally understand, considering the season-long performance that he's put up. Wilson has a better matchup here against the Cardinals, who allow the most opponent plays per game this season. Um, it's just like the only issue... So I Okay, so I have two different reasons that these guys end up becoming close. One is I, I think Wilson has a much better matchup. I think that's obvious. I do think they the I, you can almost trust Dak's volume more from a passing perspective, or if you judge the full season's worth of numbers to inform that and they end up becoming very close i do think if people were to choose between the two i suspect they would all say wilson and it wouldn't be close but for me i guess it's a little closer yeah i think you're pretty much spot on there the the one troubling thing i would say about dallas is that it seemed very obvious last week which is what you kind of suspected all along that when it's going well for them that they're just going to be handing the ball off and i think i mean the same thing happened to wilson in seattle so maybe you're getting those hairs split either way and I think the uncertainty uncertainty around both p- plays just reminds me of why I just want to play Lamar Jackson anyway. Right? I think but, so too. I think for the extra thousand, you take the savings somewhere else, and you just know that you kind of just lock in what you're getting. It's hard to imagine Jackson. It's hard to imagine you're staring at the end of the game thinking, "Why did I play Lamar Jackson?" Where I, I think you can probably. It's more likely to have that feeling around those other two guys. Yeah, Jackson this season, eighth in rushing yards, ninth in rushing TDs, and that's not even getting to the 33 passing touchdowns right. he has. Like, the uh, the floor on him is just so through the roof while they're still playing for things that it's just going to be hard to walk away. The last guy, and I want to get your opinion on this, because I, I wanted to throw some cheap guys in here, and I think that there's a really strong case here for Andy Dalton. Okay, well, actually, two, one thing real quick. I want to oh, go back. Real, let me go real quick From back Mark to Dak. Jackson to Andy Dalton. Yeah, I know. I buried, I buried it a little bit here. I will say that the, the, the piece on Dak, too, um, I, sh- I meant to say this as we were finishing up, is that this is an... an this is the game of the year, really, for Dallas and Philly. Like they are both seven and seven in the East. This is a must-win game if you want to make the playoffs. Like so, if we're looking for strictly for full 
all-out motivation on a game, like, this is it. Like, the, the Cowboys basically have to win. Everyone's kind of, like, you know, there's just, this is just checks all the boxes. From it's a playoff a, game. It's a playoff yeah. game. This is this is 100% a playoff game for both those teams. Now, with Dalton, we have a different kind of playoff going here. This is the bottom of the barrel <laughs> playoff here because Dalton faces Miami, who and these two teams are locked in an absolute fight for who's going to get the first-round draft, the first pick in the draft. The, you mentioned, we were talking this, about this earlier off the air, but Cincinnati has... A two-game advantage right now? Is that yes. What okay. Yeah. And um, I believe head-to-head is the first tiebreaker. I, I can't recall. Well, it is for so. season standings, but I don't know how it works for the draft. But kind of an interesting wrinkle here. This would also mean sort of that both Dalton and Fitzpatrick are playing for their own jobs, right? Because if they draft right. the number of guy or all Burroughs, then presumably whoever wins this game is more likely to keep their job next year. So I want to take that part out and assume <laughs> that these guys are both professionals. Now, so, now, it's funny. So here's the thing. Miami, what's been a total certainty this year is if you are a quarterback that, play against, that plays against the Dolphins, you are going to put up just maybe your best numbers of the year. Like this, okay. like If you look over the last four weeks, I could go further back with this list um, because they're by far the worst defense against uh, DVOA against the pass this season. And the run, by the way. Yeah, they're, they're the easiest of the worst defense in the league. It's like not even, it's really to like a startlingly degree. Startlingly? Starting, startlingly? Startling, to, a, to a startling degree. There we go, startling degree. Um, about how much worse than the next closest teams. By the way, Cincinnati is the, basically the second worst defense in the league, and Miami's way worse. But the last four weeks, these are the DraftKings points that opponents have put up against Miami. Last week, Eli dropped 16 on them. Okay, this guy's... It dropped 16. That's not like a lot of points. But, but that's 3x on DraftKings for his price. He oh, was 5,000. Okay. He was 5,000. I'm saying these are all price relative. Um, Arnold, the same Darnold, dropped 18. Um, good relative price. Wentz went for 28. Baker went for 27. I didn't even put it on the list. Josh Allen went for 35 the week before that. Right. Um, so this is just something that you quarterbacks could just put in work against this team. And really with Dalton, what you're looking at is a $5,200 price tag on DraftKings. Right. And, and I think that. Is like that enough? It's really the one we come into the price piece of this, right? That's what that's mostly where I'm looking. Um, you know, he's not a good quarterback. He will occasionally run, <laughs> like he's had rushing attempts. <laughs> he had a 33 yard rushing game um, back in October, 11 yards. He's like, it, it'll happen every once in a while. Um, he has thrown 38, 37, and 31 passing attempts. Now that 31 was against New England, a very good defense. Uh, 52 earlier in the year. Is that enough? For you. And, and, and it really does seem like Cincinnati's trying at least here. Like, I know that they're not, they shouldn't be trying, and they're losing the games. They're bad enough to always lose. I don't know. Is this enough? With the $5,200 price tag, plus, really, it's like the it's the um, opponent. Is that enough to talk you into Dalton? <laughs> I was going to say, with Dalton, it sounds, you sound like my high school physics teacher when she was trying to write my college recommendation, mm-hmm. where she's like, nice things to say about James. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Because, uh, yeah, you really can't say anything nice about the passing game on the Bengals. We'll talk about the running game in a second, which I actually am pretty enthusiastic about this week. But this is always where it, it falls down when you try to have human beings wrap their mind around how all this math integrates, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's all well and good. No one's going to want to see the name Andy Dalton in cash games. I don't want to hear that name or see that name. I think it also somehow feels worse when it's a quarterback because we're used to getting a high floor out of that position. And the way you normally get that is just looking at the guy's game log and seeing that they pay it every week. Like you really can do that at quarterback in a way that you can't with other positions. And if the math works out, I would be willing to do it. Um, I do think there's, you know, Miami didn't have given up huge games every single game of the season this year or anything. But yeah, that $5,000 price tag, if there are high floor, interesting options at other positions, which I think we probably will wind up having, and we can get bumped up from, say, 
you know, one of the bad tight ends to either Ertz or Waller, right? Like, I think that's a material upgrade that it's going to be hard to pay for if you go up and say pay for Lamar Jackson. So I'm not opposed to it on its face, but obviously I don't feel great about it. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It becomes this math problem that I think in the end, I'm not sure we're going to be there, and it really depends where the rest of the positions shake out, but there is such a price disparity between these these guys and, and just knowing that we've seen many, many weeks of very good performances against this Miami defense. Uh, I think that's almost going to be enough to sway me, and I, obviously we have a few days till we need to make the final decision. Uh, let's cover a sponsor here real quick, Vivid Seats app. Right now, if you log into the Vivid Seats app, you and we've been talking about how if you want to take your kid to a football game, this is the time of year to do Like you got a young kid out there like maybe wants yeah. to go see a football game live. This is the time of the year to do it, especially with some of these teams that um, are clearly out of it right now in Vivid Seats. You can go to this Miami-Cincinnati game for like 25 bucks. Um, these are where the tickets are landing. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, the seasons are over for both these. But hey, if you're just looking for a family experience, the Vivid Seats app, you log into the app, use the promo code OVERTIME, just like our podcast network, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. It's going to enroll you into the rewards program, give you up to $100 back on your first ticket purchase. By the way, you can get like field-level seats for 160 in this game on, on Vivid Seats. Let's go. Um, you roll, you roll, it rolls into the into the rewards program. You get that discount up to a hundred dollars, and the the app just makes. I'm looking right now, like what the view looks exactly like from these tickets and for this game in particular. But it's like that for every game. You'll see exactly where the seats are gonna be. So Joe, go check it out. Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code Overtime. Definitely the best ticketing app you'll find. Let's go into running backs. Um, you know, we were off the Barkley chalk, but it was a close one last week. Kind of just went with Gurley at the sort of at the last second, and I definitely regretted that piece of it. Gurley was still fine, ultimately. He scored 18 fantasy points. But yeah, the Barkley yeah, piece. Barkley, Barkley gets there there. sort of a garbage time touchdown. Not really, though, because, like, Javoris Allen actually got the garbage time. They could have actually continued yeah. to run Barkley. I think we have some interesting decisions to make if, at running back this week. Um, there are some guys that... Like, you know, you can pay, you can go up to almost 11000 again on McCaffrey. I'm going to make a small case for him, probably more in the game-by-game podcast. I don't think we're okay. going to talk about him here. But then you have these guys in close games, possibly important games, or you guys have, like, Barkley against Washington. Like, where do you want to start with, with running back here? I feel like this position, when I initially stared at it, it was a little hard for me to sort of wrap my brain around where we were going to land. Yeah, I think you kind of pinned down the attention at the position this week, which is that... You have some good running backs in great matchups this week, and then you have running backs in meaningful games. And I think, you know, you can mix and match, of course, and and kind of play favorites, but the big issue at running back this week is there just is no obvious cheap running back play, which is a luxury. As of right now. As of of Tuesday here. Um, That's a luxury we've had basically every week this season, aside from the first week. And we had one even then, too, didn't we? I can't remember. Um, But we've had one almost every week. And that has done two things. First of all, obviously, you can use up one of your running back slots, but that's also freed up a lot of salary at other positions too. And I don't know as of right now if it's going to shake out that way. So uh, let me share the good running back plays I like so far, and then we can you know, kind of get into which you prefer, I suppose. Uh, you talked about Saquon already. I think his incredible performance against Miami was a good sign that he actually is healthy, that the opportunity is going to be there, and the production is going to follow. Uh, you know, we had some concerns just about the health and just the general efficacy of the Giants running game. Uh, I think they sort of put those to rest. The Redskins are a better defense than Miami. They're still the bottom half of the league in terms of DBOA against the run. So I don't think you need to worry too much about that. And I get that the prices come back up. If I'm just comparing him to McCaffrey, uh, for instance, I think I would just lean into Saquon a little bit here. I definitely don't think you can pay both in the absence of any crystal clear punts. 
and he's the the top big money guy that I like this week. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Like I said, I'll save my McCaffrey take for the game by game tomorrow because I don't because we didn't write him up for our cash games, and I think that's totally fine. And again, understanding that he's coming off a huge week, I, the health piece on Barkley. Um, I'm fine with I the opportunity piece. I'm fine with it specifically since he missed so much time during this year and they're trying to looks like they're just wanting to get him reps more than anything else. And football teams at this point kind of just want to give I think there's a certain understanding around football teams, even the ones that are out of it, that because there's so few games in a season that it just doesn't always and not in the way like NBA just can't seem to get this right around like late season stuff with rest and sort of like playing out new players and tanking for the draft. The NFL, I will credit them, do not take often does not take this approach. Like their guys play, and I don't know if it's just the sixteen games piece, and there's so few of them, and you know yeah, eight you, home games. Yeah, like exactly. This. You get so few bites of the apple in terms of with your fans and stuff like that. It just doesn't. The Giants are so far out of this, and they still gave this guy that they've given tons of money to plenty of touches, and probably more touches than they should have when he might have still been injured. So I'm just not worried about that piece. So I think I'm I think I'm okay with the Barkley piece. So speaking of more touches than you might think. Uh, the next guy I wrote yeah. up was Joe Mixon. Uh, so Mixon this season, ninth in the NFL in carries. And you're like, well, that's not that great. I mean, that means eight, eight guys are ahead of him. The Bengals have a minus 148 point differential yep. on the season, meaning they're losing by an average of more than 10 points a game, <laughs> which is, you know, you might be well aware of, is not exactly the ideal game script for a starting running back, but it really hasn't mattered. Um, almost regardless of what's been going on in the game itself, Mixon's been involved. So just the last two weeks, uh, 55 total touches, 342 yards on the ground in games where his team lost by a combined 31 points. Yeah, we've talked about this on our podcast. It's just like <laughs> he's impossible to project because they don't use him in a way that any other team that's losing by this I argue that he is him. possible to project and they well, just give him his carries. Now, now yeah. it is. Sorry, I was saying earlier. Like when he yeah. got the 30 touches in a game they lost by 40 or whatever. Patriots, like that's yeah. when it didn't make sense. Um, but yeah, so they're just one point underdogs in the road against Miami. Also, Miami guys looking around being like, who us? Uh, when they're favorited against any team. But uh, in this battle for the bottom, the fight over the number one pick, I can't imagine. Like, the Bengals would be so obviously trolling if this was the game they got away from Mixon, and it would be very obvious that they were losing on purpose in all those other games if they didn't give him the touches this week, too. So I think Mixon will be out there for 20 to 25 carries at least, and I have a hard time believing he won't pay this price. I mean, he's been paying it against actual good teams, going up against the very worst team in the league. I think Mixon could be the highest on running back on the slate. Dalton Mixon, cash, didn't think we'd ever be saying this. Um, I could see that as a stack. It feels unbelievable. Let's get it. The final guys you have, you wrote up here, are Zeke and Miles Sanders playing against each other in this yeah. game that we mentioned before. Um, just give me the quick thoughts here on both these guys. Um, is it like mostly a game script? A, a game, not a game script. It's mostly thing. a usage play. Yeah. Um, so, And it's kind of interesting. I, I suppose I could have compared... Barkley to Zeke and Mixon to Sanders because the price points are pretty similar across those two comparisons. Um, I listed them down here below because I think I like Barkley more than Zeke ultimately, and I think I like Mixon more than Sanders, but I could see people making opposing cases too, mostly because as the season's worn on, both Dallas and Philly seem to be suggesting that their best case for winning is handing the ball to their starting running back. Sanders didn't have the job to himself all season long, he was excellent last week against Washington. Boston Scott was still, still involved, mostly in the passing game. Uh, but Sanders was just great. He had yeah. 172 total yards, two touchdowns on 25 touches. And Elliott, meanwhile, he had 160 yards and two touchdowns on 28 touches. So almost mirroring lines from these two, guy, these two guys in their games last week. You know, obviously each of them probably has a tougher matchup this week than they did last. But I think if you're just looking at floor, 
it's so difficult for me to imagine either of these teams with everything on the line not sticking with what works. Yeah, I agree. And I was going to ask you that kind of one-to-one these about these guys, the Barclays, but it sounds like you kind of... I think there's more them. value in those in the other two guys just because the matchups are better and I think the usage is arguably just as secure. Um, so I, I think I would probably lean in those other two directions, but it's close enough to me to at least want to discuss it. All right, CBS Sports HQ app. If you are kind of interacting with really any sports content at this point, you know, football, I guess, if we're just going to talk about it here, you have to be using CBS Sports HQ. The, I mean, besides just being a great app for sports, one of the things that I absolutely love about it is it breaks down your content by game and not in a way where you're filtering through all these different links or th- looking through scores and schedules and other apps to try to figure out kind of where to find the content. It's very easily laid out into a, in sort of an a la carte way to just interact with the content that you want to interact around different games, which I, you know, I suspect is how most people want to interact with their sports content. That's how I want to. I want to just focus in on a game and get thoughts on that one rather than kind of skipping around or just like, you know, falling victim to whatever the producers over at the big sports networks decided to kind of shove in my face in the given moment. CBS Sports HQ makes it really easy. It's also just totally free. You don't need to log in, sign up for anything, make an account. It doesn't cost you a single thing. Tons of advice, you know, gives you DFS advice, and we're going to give you that to you here. It gives you betting advice also. So go and download CBS Sports HQ app. It, I, be, I firmly say this, is I think it's the best. And I'm not, you know, they're a sponsor, but this one's an easy read. Uh, very best sports app that you can get out there. CBS Sports HQ, download it, no risk. You'll love it, just like we do. Let's break down some wide receivers. My One of my narrative pieces around McCaffrey that I'll talk about tomorrow is sort of along the lines of Michael Thomas, but not really. So Michael Thomas right now is 10 catches behind the pace to break Marvin Harrison's single-season receptions record. This is with two games to go. He caught 12 so balls on Monday. Oh, okay. So he's 10 catches away. He's not 10 catches off pace. No, no. He's 10 total away. Wow. It is not likely, but within realm of possibilities that he just breaks this record this week sure. against Tennessee. If you look at his recent game log, it seems fairly likely. Now, I mean. Drew Brees is coming off a game that just went 29 for 30 against the Colts. Thomas had 12 <laughs> catches in this game. Um yeah. He is on pace to obliterate this record. And I hate to use narrative stuff a lot, but we've talked about this before. Records are a thing that I think we can start making narratives around. Now, it helps that the Saints kind of have to still win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps that there's a high total, 51 and a half. And this is just they, they, this is just a, a motivational game. And there's this other piece around him that makes me, when I see him, when we run lineups and he's in 100% of lineups at this price point, I'm, I'm kind of like, Oh, the numbers fit it, and there's this other piece that makes me feel even better about it right here, right? And so, sure. um, is that like enough? I I and always mention this narrative because we're not into like revenge games or stupid crap like that. That's just not how we operate. And there's all there's every once in a while that I think this stuff matters, and I actually think football matters more than any other sport about this. Hmm. Um, I don't know what are your thoughts. I, we have Thomas like in every cash game lineup right now at nine thousand and ninety three hundred on DraftKings. Does this feel like the spot to just kind of pay peak pricing on a guy? who, again, is on a historic pace. Yeah, I don't need to be talked into playing Michael Thomas. I mean, I, I think he's a phenomenal play, and I think he's bringing, it reminds me of Jackson almost, in that he's bringing a floor that no one else at his position really brings. And so for that reason, it sounds great to me. I don't, you know, I haven't stuck my fingers in the dirt quite enough on these lineups to know if that's exactly where you want to spend up, because we've talked about a lot this season how, you know, you do have to kind of pick and choose, and you just don't get to spend $9,000 on every position, right? So I don't know that he's actually going to wind up in our final lineups. Um, like I'm seeing a lot of lineups here on our DraftKings system 
where Thomas is not in, even though we have Dalton at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that he ultimately gets there, but obviously if he does, I'd, I'd be pumped about it. Yeah, the, I didn't write him up, but actually I was I meant to, and I, mean, I realized I had published before I did this, mm-hmm. but I was going to write up Julio Jones because Julio Jones got 20 targets last week, yeah. and he's $1,000 less than, than Thomas with the narrative around him being that Calvin Ridley is out for the season, and they just jammed the targets to him all game long. Yep. And that was a tough matchup against San Francisco, and he was incredible. Right. So, I mean, where do you land? Let's just do a quick comparison of these guys, and I'll, and I'll run through some of these other mid-tier plays. But, um, you know, where do you put Julio in terms of sort of target share at this point, knowing that, look, there was a definite reason this 20 happened, and it was that they're, you know, up maybe arguably their best receiver, depending on how we want to rank Ridley this season, um, was just out of the game and is not coming back. Like, you know, where do we want to land? Do we want to give Julio Jones Michael Thomas-like targets because if that's the case, then maybe I was oh I overspoke it a little bit by saying that he was the easy Thomas is the easy spend up here because you know what I mean because for a thousand less you get Julio for a thousand less on Fanduel. Yeah, well that's certainly tempting to me. I, I think there's more than just Ridley being absent from that 49ers game. You know we watched a decent amount of that game together, and it was also that Jones was just the only thing available to that offense right. at all. Like it was really tough for them to get the run going. Uh, they were trailing obviously, so it made sense that they kept trying to pound the ball toward him. Hooper couldn't get anything done at all. So I don't suspect he'll be in the high teens even again, but he doesn't need to be to pay any $1,000 price tag either. So I think I like him. If I'm just comparing floors, I'll just take Thomas. Uh, I get that I have to pay $1,000 more. And, you know, this is just the, unfortunately, the argument among all good plays, right? It's like it will just ultimately come down to price and what you can afford. And Jones is, is a guy that I'd be fine seeing in lineups, of course. A.J. Brown saw his most targets in week 15 yeah. um, with 13 in the game against Houston. He hauled in eight for a 114 and a touchdown. He was a pretty chalky play. The price does come up. It comes up about 600 on FanDuel to 7,200. That's 1,000. He was uh, 62 last week. Okay, so he comes up a full 1,000. Um, I'm not sure. Like, I, I mean, I still feel I feel like 13 targets is <sighs> it's so hard because – you, know, you mentioned about Tannehill and the Titans that they've had a very easy schedule where they've been able to play a lot of downhill games, i.e. Mm-hmm. Derrick Henry getting tons of touches. This game did not like fully work out that way. This was a lot closer, and they needed to kind of keep their foot on the gas here. And I feel like that's sort of what we're lining up for in, with New Orleans as well. When that's the case, what kind of target share do we want to look at with a guy like Brown who, you know, six to seven targets does not get it done at this price. Right. And they have not been in games that six to seven targets is going to be the norm. So I just don't really know... It's just the hard, the hard part is where to land on what the actual number of targets is because we've had a lot of game scripts that it makes sense why the targets were low, but then all you have to do is give Tannehill 35, target, 35 passing attempts, which they haven't really had to do, and now all of a sudden we see what happens. So this is like, what are your thoughts here on Brown? Yeah, I think Brown is a very interesting play this week. It's a very sort of difficult to weigh a lot of the moving pieces here. So, um, yes, Tannehill and the Titans did have a very easy schedule, or at least going up against easy passing defenses. Going up against the Saints this week and the prospect of Brown getting coverage from Lattimore is pretty concerning to me. Uh, Brown really hasn't had a test like that. And the Titans, their first hope is just to hand the ball to Derrick Henry and let him run out the clock and win the game for them. Sometimes that looks like 18 to 20 carries. Sometimes it's like 26 to 29. This game, the Saints are favored, but not by as much as you might think, given that the game is in Tennessee. I still expect the Titans to establish the run and go from there. But I think you can still be pretty aggressive in projecting Brown's target share too, because he's, you know, again, in watching those games, he's just so much more talented than all those other wide yeah, receivers. Yeah. And he is the one that opens up the rest of the offense. You know, he's the one that makes it so they can't cheat uh, in the box on Henry and, or 
chasing Corey Davis around or any of those other things. So, yeah, I think Brown is still a solid play here. But I think, like last week, the concern I had with him was that we hadn't seen him hit those high numbers in target share yet. The concern I have this week is the matchup. And I think that might wind up being enough to keep him out of our lineups. But uh, it's certainly right now, I think looking like a totally fine play. I still think DJ Moore at 6,600 is fine. Yeah. Handle to another 12 he's targets come, he's last week. Cheaper, sure. Yeah, another 12 targets, 8 for 113 last week. Carolina cannot stay. They're not, they cannot get leads. Um, so I'm not worried about that piece of it. Um, <laughs> I am worried that this quarterback play is so bad. I, Kyle Allen has just really been completely exposed uh, at this point. But it's still, you know, 15, 9, 12, 6, 12. Those are his targets over the last five weeks. This guy's the fourth or fifth most targeted. I think he's fifth. Uh, most targeted. No, sorry, fourth. Fourth most targeted wide receiver in football this season. Thomas, then a big drop off to Hopkins, then Edelman, then DJ Moore. So the targets are there. And I will say the per, the um, conversion percentage is actually right in line with guys like Edelman uh, and even below him, like Julio Jones and Allen Robinson. It's just the touchdowns trail these other guys, which makes sense. The offenses are worse. So right. um, he has seen, if they get that in close, there was a stretch where he went through about seven to nine red zone targets when they were down there. I believe he got another one last week, but it's just that the it's just you have real concerns about the quarterback and their ability to just even sustain drives. So that's my only real concern, and I actually think but I still think that the sixty six hundred price tag does gives you enough of the downside risk. It removes enough of the downside risk on more because I think if the if the targets are something like double digits on average, maybe even a hair less, I think sixty six hundred is totally viable uh, here in this matchup this week. And again almost definitely going to be playing from behind against Indy. Let's finish this off with tight ends. This position feels like it's bad again this week. Uh, we went, we had a couple weeks with Ian Thomas that made it pretty easy on us. And like last week it was Higby that made it pretty easy on us. Um, do you get the sense that we're in that zone again this week? You know, and there's, there are a couple guys, but this, again, this position once again, just looks very thin. Yeah. Unfortunately, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of the playable tight end options are playing on Saturday this week. You know, you have both the Tampa Bay guys who got good target share last week and Higby uh, rolls up on Saturday as well. So after those that group, really the only guys left that are seeing any sort of consistent target share are Waller and Ertz and, oh, Kittle too. Um, Kittle's also not on the, the main slate this week. So if you're just down to Waller and Ertz, basically you just have to decide whom you like more between the two of them. Waller is a little bit cheaper. I think Ertz is a little bit more reliable. Uh, obviously, the Eagles are playing for way more and should be quite a bit more predictable. Uh, really, the only game that Ertz hasn't gone off on these prices was that one bizarre loss they had against Miami. In every other game, when the Eagles remembered he was their best option, uh, he's been good for double-digit targets, a touchdown, 100-plus yards, and so on. So uh, I think either of those guys is playable here on the main slate. For my money, I would lean Ertz, understanding once again that he's more expensive than Waller. And uh, you'll need to find that savings elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, the Rams stunk last week, and Higby still went for 12 for 111. Um, against, 14 like, targets. Against, I mean, the, against the Cowboys. I'm only mentioning it as a, as a matchup thing with Ertz, right? Like, you can still... And, oh, I see what you're and, saying. And, yeah, sorry. Um, I was using that. I was using the matchup, the defense, more than the, the player. Um, yeah, Ertz, remember, too, he had 10 targets last week. He did get hurt mid-game. He came back in. I actually think that the 10 targets was trending to be low. Yeah, I think he took two series off uh, when he got popped and he got hurt, but he did end up coming back into the game. Ended up going 10 for 61 and a touchdown. Um, excuse me, 5 for 61 and a touchdown on 10 targets. I think that he, with the state of the Eagles' wide receivers right now, uh, I mentioned Greg Ward as a cheap play, as a throwaway oh, yeah. cheap play like in cash games. He's a, a kind of another consideration. Chris Conley, too, if, if they're if they're light on, on receivers. But Ward, the fact that you, guys like Greg Ward are like the second most targeted guy, 
really speaks to the plan here is to get Ertz the ball as much as possible. That's actually why I like Sanders too. But um, they're just down to so few actual skill position players they can trust. And I think going something like 10 or 11, 12 targets as a projection on Ertz is sort of fine. Um, and that's crazy when you think about this guy's a tight end. But we just been a season where he just, he's got sort of his, like, I, I, I feel like I'd be nuts to not just spend on FanDuel the extra 600 from Ertz from Waller. Like, I, like, I don't know if it's just because of the volume thing or I'm just like the, the Raiders offense is so milquitoast. I just don't know. <laughs> like, I think at that point, I just kind of don't want to play Darren Waller. Well, it's only 400 more. 400. Okay, Waller, even better. Ertz, so even more. And, yeah, Ertz, double digit targets in five of the last six weeks. He's just so obviously plans A, B, and C in the passing game that I, I don't see a strong argument for going in a different direction. Right. So I think that's probably where I land with tight end. I, as of right now, I'm not seeing a ton of uh, other cheap value um, that's really cropping up right now that we have seen in other weeks. And like you said, the position is just weak in general. All right. We're going to be back again tomorrow talking the game by game for week 16 for the main slate. Uh, which I think is going to have a lot of interesting takes because I think there's a lot of guys we've discussed. Guys like McCaffrey and Kamara, and there's a bunch of wide receivers I want to talk about, some other quarterbacks as well. I do feel like the decisions are going to be fairly close this week in a way that they haven't felt that way, although I said it last week and we were kind of off chalk, so which we already kind of summed up at the beginning. (laughs) DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started on our projection system powered by our good friends over at lineup lab optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings, nfl uh, from now through the playoffs but that also covers you for nba as well so we don't section it off by you know season or sport or some of these other sites do you know that when you get this subscription it's just going to give you nba as well so you're all and nhl too so you're all covered under one subscription package go check out our sponsors vivid seats and cbs sports hq as well always to help the podcast rate and review the podcast Uh, and all of that is much appreciated. Buddy, back again tomorrow when we do game-by-game breakdown. Peace.